is it the best use of the platform, right? So some so something can be not necessarily sinful, but not necessarily the best the best use the of best it. use of it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that and that's what I'm that's what I'm tr- trying to trying sure. to ha- hammer at is. Sure. Um, you know, we, we're called to make the the best use of the time because the days are evil. Yeah. And I think I think wait wait one of the things that we've lost track of is the reality of the emergency, mm. right? It, it seems like we've just completely lost the emergency mindset. Sure. Like, bro, real talk. Like, people are going to hell every single day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the gospel needs to be proclaimed. the The wrath of God is coming, and it it, it seems like with success. We've lost that sense of urgency. And me, me and my man, we were just talking about it over lunch. Like, this, this conversation is, is a peacetime type of conversation. This, this is not a wartime conversation, you know right. what I'm saying? So, so having the luxury of having my art be this, like, they don't even have this discussion in persecuted, where, where Christians mm. are being, in countries where Christians are being persecuted, mm. right? It's like, wait, what are we talking about? Like, yeah. like we about to be killed for the faith. We, yeah. we, we, what do you mean? Like, amen, you got liberties, but um, I, I feel like we've lost sense of the emergency of it. Um, you know, the, the kind of conversation that you have over dinner is a different conversation that you have when your house is on fire. True. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like True, the, the urgency of it yeah. is, is going to be it's different. different. You know it's what I'm saying? And I feel like we've lost that. The excerpt that you just heard is from the artist Shylin, and it was given back in 2017. But there's a quote from that excerpt that stands out to me, and it kind of rings through my head even throughout all these years. But it was this. The kind of conversation that you have over your dinner table is a different conversation than you have when your house is on fire. I'm recording today's episode in the midst of war in the Ukraine, and for most of you that are watching or listening to this, this is not new news. I don't have to report the news to you, and that's not my heart. I'm not coming to you today as an expert in conflict, but what I'm coming to you today as is someone who is humbled by what is going on and is seeking to find a color even in the midst of this. There's an article written by Neil Plotnick And it's talking about during World War II how the conversation and how the focus shifted from peace to wartime. He writes this, While descriptions of the great ocean liners of the 20th century most often conjure up images of elegant dining rooms filled with vacationing passengers, Wartime has historically seen ocean-going palaces converted into troop ships, ferrying thousands of soldiers on a single trip. Some of the most famous names in steamship history were among those converted to troop ships during the war. He goes on into this article to talk about what the process of converting a luxury liner into a war vessel was. And he says this, the first step would typically involve removing all items that were not needed for sustaining the maximum number of troops that could be carried. Furniture, paintings, pianos, and everything else that was not needed for war would be removed and stored on land for reinstallation once the fighting has ceased. Every available space on board then would be stuffed with hammocks and cots to accommodate the fighting men who would soon be in battle in lands far from where they grew up. What stood out to me about this article and the excerpt that I played for you at the very beginning is that when there is a chaos, when there is a conflict, things that once served one purpose can change into another purpose. And likewise, once we understand the need that we have for our creator, savior, and sustainer, 
what once served one purpose where we couldn't even have fathomed that it would have served any other purpose changes to another purpose. So for instance, before we come to Jesus, our life is our life. It's what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And it serves the purpose for no one other than ourselves. Even our bodies would serve a different purpose. Our bodies, before Christ, it serves the purpose of maximizing pleasure. It serves the purpose of prolonging this life and maximizing the enjoyment and the fulfillment of this life. That was what our lives served the purpose of. And before Christ, we can't even imagine it serving a different purpose. But the Bible says when we come to Jesus, our bodies becomes a temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell in, for him to have his will and way. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells within us in order for us to be the hands, the feet, the mouth, and the body of Christ. We are a temple for the living Holy God to dwell within us through his spirit in order for us to be his vessel, his conduit in a world that is broken and dying. Likewise, everything else in our life has that same switch, that conversion. And one thing that stood out to me in this article is that it talked about stripping away all of the non-essentials in order for that vessel to serve a purpose greater than what it was originally designed for. The Bible talks about how before we come to Christ, we are a slave to sin. Our purpose is to perpetuate a pattern and a system of brokenness upon a world that is broken and dead. Now, through the Holy Spirit, we perpetuate life and we bring a message of peace through Christ. So what once served one purpose becomes another purpose when we realize our need. Another thing that changes once someone comes to their creator, savior, sustainer on his terms, not our own terms, is that we, instead of living life through our own limited understanding, it's converted to seeing this life through the view of his word and through his son. When I come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus, what is right in my own eyes doesn't matter. The most important question is not what I think is right in my own eyes, is what does he say is right in his word? Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will take care of itself. He guarantees us that as we walk through this broken life of war and difficulty and chaos, that as we look to him and seek first him and his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else will be able to be seen for what it is. In that passage in Matthew chapter 6, he goes right before that to say, don't worry, don't worry. We can cast all of our cares upon him who cares for us. We know that God, you are sovereign and that you have all of this. You have all of this in your hand and you have a plan and purpose through this chaos that I can't even fathom on my own. And so instead of leaning on my own understanding, I'm gonna trust all my ways to you knowing that you will lead me and you will make my path straight. The kind of conversation you have over your dinner table is different than what you have when your house is on fire. Once we understand our need for our creator, savior, sustainer, we understand that this world is on fire and I'm not going to entrust myself to this world. I'm going to trust myself to my Savior. And through him using me, heaven will come to earth 
through me surrendering myself to the Prince of Peace and the God of redemption and restoration. This world is not our home. When you come to Jesus, you realize that you were created for a kingdom beyond any earthly kingdom here. When we come to Jesus, we realize that even the best earthly leader will fail us. We realize the the consequences of sin and selfishness and death. We realize how easy it is for lives to be lost just because of selfishness and pride. We realize that there is a consequence to pride, to arrogance, to sin. And that death will always be the outcome. And it may not be immediate, but it will be the ultimate outcome of sin. Each and every time. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And we're seeing that being played out in what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now. It's nothing new under the sun. I think about a theologian who passed away, but he said, look, if justice is only limited to what happens in this life, then there are people getting away scot-free with things that are diabolical. It doesn't make sense. But everything within us points towards a judgment that goes beyond what a earthly judgment can bring. The brokenness that's being inflicted upon innocent people right now may not go punish this side of eternity, but we can rest assured biblically that it will be dealt with face-to-face with our creator, savior, and sustainer. And when we understand our need, we realize that it's not just the brokenness we see in other people far away or even within our community. It's not just the politicians. It's not just the leaders or the people that are on high platforms that are broken or corrupt. It's us. It's us. Once we realize our need, we realize John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Why do they perish? Because the wages of sin is death. Romans 5, verse 8, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes you and me. I think about the passage of John chapter 8, and Jesus says this right here in verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God was your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own, but he who has sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you're unable to accept my message. Verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, refusing to uphold the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he is a liar and the father of all lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you can prove me as guilty of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. Jesus is not just speaking this to a group of religious leaders within his time. What he's speaking to them is true of each and every one of us that refuses him. It's true of me for so long of my life. I refuse to come to Jesus because once I come to Jesus, I'm accountable for this life that God has given me. And I didn't want to be accountable. I didn't want to submit myself under the authority of someone else. I wanted to be God. I wanted to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I wanted to justify my behavior. I wanted to understand this world through my own understanding and not through anyone else's understanding. 
but through humility and breaking me down, making me realize my need, God used the pain and the chaos to bring me to my knees in order to see him for who he is. Chaos serves the purpose of pointing us to the Prince of Peace. But so often, because of the uncomfortability and the toll of the chaos, we just wanted to go away. But sometimes the best thing is for us to realize through the chaos how desperate we are for our God. And once we understand that desperation and we surrender control of our lives over to him, we're able, whether good and bad, happy or sad or whatever goes on in this life, we're able to see through our circumstances and to see the Savior. Jesus says, in this life, you will have troubles, but take heart, not in your own understanding, not in your own leaders, not in your own policies, not in your own wisdom, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Heavy heart. Once we understand that Christ is victorious, we're able to see all of these defeats for what it is, temporary. And we're able to set our sights on something that is not temporary, but eternal. And the eternal mindset that we have is what helps us go into the chaos and say, look, I do not attribute holding on to my life as a gain, but I give up my life to see so much more and to be used in so much more ways than any ways that I could have imagined on my own. Once we see our need, we also see how fragile and temporary we are and all of this is. When we see our life for what it is, we are willing to give our lives because we know, we know the victor. We know the prince of peace. And we understand how we get to peace is through Jesus. In a war, there are so many willing to give their life to defend freedom. May we get to the point in our own lives that we realize who we're fighting. Instead of fighting Jesus, may we fight back the father of lies. The enemy is not one another. The enemy is Satan. And when we look to Jesus, we understand we understand the victory that Christ accomplished and we also understand the broken heart of our God for us in this broken condition. And we understand the love of God goes beyond any earthly love that we can fathom. I think about passages such as Luke chapter 19. And this is when Jesus, he's approaching Jerusalem. He knows that he's going to give his life for us. He knows what's about to await him and he's walking with courage into his death. And it says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late. The peace is hidden from your eyes because you did not realize it was God who visited you. Heavy heart, why did Christ weep? He wept because of the refusal of his people towards himself. So often in the chaos, we pray, Lord, just give peace, give peace, give peace, give peace. Stop the fighting, stop the fighting. 
And even though I know the heart of the Father is peace, he's the Prince of Peace. Through the chaos sometimes, that is the only way that we understand our need. When our hearts are broken for what's going on in Ukraine, then our hearts can be broken. And through that brokenness, passages like James chapter 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of various kinds come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? Why can we have great joy in chaos? Verse 3, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask your generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave in the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they're unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. For those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. That hot sun rises and grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. And remember when you're being tempted, do not say God has tempted me. For God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires when we're enticed and dragged away by them. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Heavy heart, our greatest need is not peace in the Middle East or in Ukraine or in Russia or here in the United States from our chaoses. Our greatest need is to come to our Savior and let His will be done in our lives through us being surrendered to a kingdom beyond this own. Once we're able to see the kingdom of earth for what it is, we're able to be good stewards of this life and this gift of life that God has given us. And we're able to be instruments of our God for peace, for mercy, for love, for unity, for truth, for justice. But when we rely on ourselves, even the best attempts of all of those things are perverted. It's broken. It's corrupted. We are so in need. May our prayer not just be for peace from our chaoses, but may we understand the source of our peace, which is Christ, so that as we walk through our chaos, we will grow in endurance and have a heart like the suffering servant that is Jesus. Jesus in the garden, being fully man and fully human, he cried out, he said, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. When we come to Jesus, we are converted from wanting our will to be accomplished, but instead saying, Lord, even though it may not make sense, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And even if it costs me my life, even if it costs me my comfort, Lord, may it be. Grow me and use me for a plan and purpose beyond my own. It's easy to say that we love God when things are going well, but it's another thing to love God in the midst of our chaos. Heavy heart, may we cry out to God in the midst of this war and this chaos. Say, Lord, show me my need. The problem is not just them. The problem is me. Lord, may I not be an instrument of sin and death any longer and perversion and lies. 
but may I be your hands, your feet. And may your truth and your peace set me free from my sin and my slavery to it. And once we understand the need, then we also understand James chapter 1, verse 22. But do not just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, God will bless you. There is a blessing in the chaos when we look to Christ. May even in the pain that we are going through, in the chaos that we're going through, may this bring us to a revival like we've never seen before. Realizing that, Lord, apart from you, all of this is meaningless. May your will be done. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven.